On this episode of The Buzz on Business, Rachel Brown speaks with Ag Education PhD candidate, member of the Riata Startup Experience Program, and founder of Ag Exposure, Courtney Brown. Finding balance between school, her family, and her passion to engage minority communities with agriculture, Courtney has learned that balance is less of a destination and more of a pendulum. Well, Courtney, I am so, so excited for you to be talking um, with me today. I think just to give our listeners a little more of an idea of kind of who you are as a person, they should know that you're the kind of human that when you have a conversation with you, like you're the one that walks away feeling great about yourself, about life, like you are just such a warm and inviting and kind person. And I love talking with you at any time, but I'm so excited to kind of get you on the podcast and hopefully the listeners can feel some of that warmth through you today. (laughs) Thank you, Rachel, I hope so. I hope it radiates through, it's almost winter time, so that would be nice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's kind of give everyone an idea of, you know, tell us who you are, what your business is, and we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, so I'm Courtney Brown, and I'm originally from right outside of Memphis, Tennessee, a town called Millington, and I'm out here for graduate school. I'm pursuing my doctoral degree in agricultural education with an emphasis in agricultural leadership. And a few years ago, I started this thing called Exposure, and it's a nonprofit organization really designed to use agriculture as a tool to help socially disadvantaged communities and how that's defined by the USDA is just any community that um, ethnic community that has experienced prejudice so we just want to use agriculture as a way to kind of level the playing field and give them opportunities um, that other people get as well so that's just been a passion project of mine and it's just kind of carried me through that's beautiful and I can tell like the passion really comes through when you start to speak about it but why exposure? How did this idea come about and when you chose to pursue it? Exposure came out several years ago before it actually started. When I came to OSU the first time around for my master's, I was studying ag communications and I found out I had to do a thesis after I already got here, which, you know, bad research on my part, <laughs> but I figured it out and I'm like, I'm here when I'm going to stick with it. So um, I ended up studying the African American perception of agriculture and interviewed black students here in the Ferguson College of Ag and just learned about their experience in ag and why they chose ag and why do they think other black students aren't choosing ag. And with that research, we need to get to black youth earlier. We need to get to them and share the opportunities available in agriculture sooner. And then we need to make sure it's given to them in a way that they understand and see that it is a viable option for them. So in my mind, I was like, okay, well, if the research says do that, let's just go do this. So I want to start a nonprofit that does that. So graduating, had the idea, but ended up getting a job at Langston University. And, you know, it was my first big girl job and I was excited about it. Had benefits, had a salary, had vacation, and I was traveling for work and it just life was good. And I was like, you know, yeah, I want to do this business, but I was just so immersed in what I was doing for my job and I was learning so much and enjoying it. And I kind of put it on the back burner, but then as I was there longer and just kind of thinking about my future and then started getting ready to plan for my 10 year reunion and for high school. And I was like, okay, (laughs) and I'm pushing 30 (laughs) at that point too. And I'm like, okay, like having this pre-midlife crisis and thinking, what have I really accomplished in my life? 
which was so irrational, but that's what I was thinking. I was like, what, what have I done? And it was still that kind of little nugget in the back of my brain of like, you need to start this business. You know, you have the vision for it. You, you should do this. Other people who are doing all these amazing things on me is that they're doing it. They're doing all these amazing things and I'm sitting here talking about it. I set up a meeting with my advisor and um, here at OSU, one of my um, committee members, and talked to him about my idea and he's like I, I think that's great but he's like I I'm more of just ag education so I think you should go talk to Dr. Waters over in Spears and I never met Dr. Waters but he's like I think you should talk to him he'd be great to help you with this so I set up a meeting with Dr. Waters and all this is going on while I'm still working at Langston set up a meeting with Dr. Waters and he was just like yes I think this is a viable option and in my mind I was like education I just want to teach the communities and give them all this information I have and he was like well you know particularly with the youth and anybody else you know people will come to learn but you got to give them something you, you have to kind of develop an incentive there so that was when we developed the gardening kits and then once we talked about the gardening kits he talked about Enactus and he was like I think Enactus can be a great organization to kind of help you get some of the um, nuts and bolts together on that kit. So ended up kind of partnering with Enactus during that semester and then getting all my paperwork together, started doing a ton of research, had a board meeting, filed the paperwork and then got approval to become a 501c3. And then got that approval in June and then went to Douglas High School on the northeast side of Oklahoma City and started recruiting in September. I think I had the youth program going to my going <laughs> that fall. So it was really fast, but I, I just felt once the door opened and, and like, I think God put it on my spirit to like, you need to do this. We just kind of went for it. That's so incredible. And I love the, the fact that you not only did the research and found a significant problem, but took action on it. I think so, you know, how many good solutions are out there buried at the bottom of a research paper that's just not being done with the pandemic like how how are you guys handling covid not only exposure but you personally yeah um it's been really tough and it's really just kind of thrown a wrench in things for exposure we were in the middle of our second year of our youth program when ag when the when covid kind of really got thick here and we had to cancel it because as i mentioned before it is a passion project and especially since I've transitioned to working at Lincoln and then came to school full time, that has taken a lot of time and, and I do have family. So we really have just been running on low capacity of just anybody, me, my husband have time to put into it and any volunteers and our board to support it. So with that being said, we haven't been able to jump into our youth program this year because we just don't have the capacity to handle a virtual experience and give them what they deserve. And then for me personally, it, it definitely has been a shift um, with just with my family and my son is doing virtual learning. My daughter, she's three, so I don't think her <laughs> life has really changed very much. Um, but for us, um, she, my husband and I trying to kind of figure out how to navigate it and even just back home, not being able to visit as much and, and, and those sorts of things has really been tough um, trying to still find balance in this new normalcy. Um, but I'm, I'm a little introverted sometimes, so at least getting to sit still for a second, that has probably been one perk of, because um, we've been blessed with health, but one perk to be able to just sit still and kind of figure out my life. But 
I think everybody's ready to kind of get back to that social normalcy. Oh, I am definitely there with you. And I think you mentioned this throwing a wrench and I just, that's a perfect way to put it because the rest of life hasn't stopped. We haven't stopped getting our educations. Nice. We haven't stopped, you know, our, the, what our family needs from us. And sometimes you mentioned capacity, like the business kind of has to take this little bit of a backseat for a time. Nice. The passion is still there. And I've been learning that even in this time where like I am personally building a resiliency because of the pandemic, because of everything else going on in my life, that while I may not be checking things off the to-do list necessarily for strides, but the resiliency I'm building in myself is going to benefit the company yes. later on. That's such a good point. Just what you're going through is actually gonna help you even though you feel like you're not working aggressively in the way you want to. That That's just the best perspective on taking that. Everything you're going through is gonna help long run. And, and if in anything, giving you endurance. Having a social mission you feel that weight is that you should be making some solutions and you shouldn't wait because the problems are just getting bigger for others. People are going through things that you don't want them to go through. So you feel that drive to want to say, I need to be focused on solving it because I have the answer. You know, I have at least one solution that maybe can help someone. So it is that kind of tug of feeling obligated to help other people, but you still have to manage the things in your own life. Absolutely. And you know, this mission, this passion that drives you. What What is your big picture for Ag Exposure specifically? For Ag Exposure, I really see us having a much larger reach than probably makes sense to where we are currently. But I really want us to not only have a stronger reach here in the state, but I also want national reach. I mean, a big reason of why I started Ag Exposure also goes back to just kind of being from the Memphis area. And I just see so much opportunity for agriculture to be used to kind of help different communities. And um, there's food deserts in Memphis and there's uh, people there that I think really could benefit from having more agricultural programs brought to there. So certainly I want to get this program to Memphis and throughout the country. And then because of our challenge of socially disadvantaged communities and what they face, and whether it's economics or food security, all of those things, health, nutrition, this is unfortunately a replicated problem all across the world. So in my mind, agriculture has the ability to address those problems in different ways. So I would love for exposure to be placed in different countries that could utilize agriculture or even encourage more people to consider agriculture as a career. So global definitely would be an awesome impact long-term. And, and I don't know what that timeline looks like, but I certainly can see how we could adapt our program to understand other cultures and, and make sure that we're meeting them where they are to help solve some of their problems. In our, the beginning of our conversation, we, I think we got a glimpse of maybe just how busy and crazy your life is right now, but what's it like starting a business, pursuing your PhD, teaching, Oh, and you're also a wife and a mom. Like, how, <laughs> how is life looking for you right now? Oh man, life is just crazy. It's just, it's always just a big old mess. And we just <laughs> kind of figure it out as we go. I'm, I'm often putting myself together quickly before things I go to. It's, it's a struggle, but we're getting through. I think um, I've had to learn how to place priority and time in certain things that matter long-term. Because I think with being in school, 
you obviously have a lot of deadlines placed on you and coming back to school this time around to pursue this degree with you know people that I love my family they live with me they are always there so we have to kind of figure out in our space how we can work together so it's definitely been a blessing to have this added um, component to my life because at first it was just me and my dog and that was I thought that was a difficult thing <laughs> to balance time between the two of us but now he's here and everybody else is here and you know I wonder how he feels about that sometimes but it is what it is so we just kind of figure it out and putting the time into like my family has become something that I need to make sure I'm consistently doing when I'm bogged down with deadlines and that includes whether it's like I'm going to take a day or we are all going to take a day to go do something as a family or if it's like I'm going to set up a call and talk to my family back home on FaceTime or whatever because those things are what matter to me most and, and like we mentioned with COVID things have shifted so you have to kind of make that time for stuff when time seems to stand still a little bit so it's definitely been a challenge I, I think my support system whether it's family back home encouraging me friends encouraging me my husband supporting me um, or my kids supporting me and, and you know daughter the other day told me you need to go work and I'm like okay <laughs> how do you know <laughs> so I think just having that tribe of people and coupled with just my faith is really allowing me to see that all this craziness is just for a season. It's, this will not, and I'm telling you, this will not be my life forever, <laughs> this craziness. But, you know, getting through it now, like you said, just the stamina will help us move forward. Absolutely. I, you know, with all those things that you're trying to balance, it reminds me of something we said earlier about capacity. You know, we have 100% to give overall, but we can't always give 100% on everything. And, you know, speak can you speak to that a little bit in like your life and all again all these things you're trying to balance like what has your capacity looked like in this season learning that balance is important but what you have to give is what you have to give someone gave me this really good advice that like balance what everybody's trying to get and it's what i try to get and you try to achieve it that it's not really a destination that it's a continuous pendulum that's going back and forth. One day your balance will be here, the next day your balance will be over there, and that's okay. Like, don't think that it's this one th day you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm balanced, I have enough time for everything. <laughs> like, that is not realistic, and I think that is the kind of rat race we get in trying to achieve that. So I think taking that on and understanding that you know, my best right now is my best and I'm going to walk away and feel okay with it. If that means I'm sending an email saying, hey, my best meant I missed this or I messed up. It doesn't make me feel good because I have that personality where I want to give 100% to everything, but I have to not beat myself up about it and know if it was my best, then that's all you can do. That is so beautifully said. I want to cross stitch on a pillow balance is more of a pendulum than a destination. I just, I need to write that on my mirror. I want to yes. hang it on the side of my room. That is such a very honest sentiment. I, I, I appreciate us being able to talk about that. And, um, you know, as you've gone through this journey, obviously you've learned so much. What is something specifically you think you've taken away from trying to have this startup experience, but also pursuing a PhD? Yeah, I think... For me, it's 
been getting to the place and I've had some things happen within the last few weeks where I literally felt like I didn't have enough time to do what I needed to do. And I typically would spend a little more time on certain things than I had available. And I'm, you know, very spiritual and, and God plays a huge part of my life. And I think I got to the place where I understood in things that would happen after I felt like, man, that wasn't the best, that he's going to do the rest. As long as I can show up and be there, and if the door is open, I walk through it, even if I don't feel prepared or ready to walk through it, then the rest will be taken care of. Because I think we all get in this position in life where we're thinking that, man, I don't know if I'm smart enough. I don't know if I'm capable enough. Who's going to listen to me or any of those things? What do I know? But I think for me, having a faith base that's bigger than myself, that it's like, maybe I don't have all the answers. Maybe I don't have the skill set to just show I'm super capable. But I know that if this is my purpose, if this is what I've been designed to do or called to do, then I just got to do my best. And he's just going to, you know, fix me up and, and make it work because the mission that I'm working towards is bigger than myself. It's not, I'm not doing this stuff just because, oh, it makes me feel good. I'm doing this because I see that this is a problem and I feel as though I've been exposed to information that gives me an idea on how to solve it in some way. So knowing that whatever I put into it, if it's built for me and designed for me, it's going to work out and, and I'm going to be able to do this because it's not about just me executing. It's about all these people getting these resources and getting access to the support that they need. If you had the opportunity to do this over again, do you think you would change any of it? Yeah, I, when I hear that, I always feel conflicted because you think, man, with what I know now, I would just be able to really rock it and do something way better. And I just would avoid all those bad decisions I made. Although it seems like an ideal situation, I probably would just go ahead and go through it and, and make all the poor choices I made and not have all the information I would have liked to have had up front and learn the hard way because like we talked about, just kind of with building that resiliency I would hope that all the information I have is going to help me move forward. And then also, too, I, I, I've come to a place where I, even when I'm talking to other people who are going through things, I'm like, everything you go through is going to help you be able to connect to someone else that you can help them be like, I, you can go through that because I, I went through it and I made it out okay. So sometimes we have to be kind of the sacrificial lamb to go through something so we can really help someone either avoid it or get through it. So I, I would do it all over again the same way. And, you know, I, I just would hope that it's going to help me get to where I need to get. Yeah, I think the experiences, both the good, the bad and the ugly make us who we are. And yes. the lessons we learn, we wouldn't have learned otherwise and right. um, build us into who we are today. And I think you're right. We would just make different mistakes if right. we tried to do it all over again. It would just be different. Exactly. Um, as we kind of start to wrap up, you know, I love having this conversation. It's very intentional and, you know, vulnerable and talking about your business and how hard this season has been. But as we wrap up, I want to do something a little more fun. I mentioned to you earlier that we're going to do something called the lightning round. And you don't get to know these questions ahead of time. It's just kind of the first thing that comes to your head. Okay. They're pretty easy. <laughs> it's just a little more getting to know Courtney. How did you meet your husband? Oh, my gosh. So it's such a funny thing. I met him through OSU for my research. I was sending out a um, email because I was working with African-American 
ask students. So he was one of the respondents in my email. Because <laughs> this is going to sound unethical, but it was fixed. He wasn't in my study. So anyways, he responded. And it was funny because I was talking to my advisor and they were just like, well, you shouldn't, you know, have grad students in there. You know, you really should focus on undergrads. So I was texting him because he had responded. So we were about to set up the meeting and I was like, um, you know, what year are you? And he's like, oh, I'm a grad student. And I was like, you know, I was single. And I, this is so not me. Like my <laughs> friends probably know, like they know this is so not me. But when he said that, I was like, well, he's cute. You know, who cares? Like, <laughs> OK, we can still meet. And I knew, like, that was not the goal. But then in the back of my mind, I'm telling myself, well, you know, there's not that many black ag students, so you may actually need this interview. So, um, you know, whatever you tell yourself to make you feel like your decision is okay. So <laughs> we met up at the library, because that's a special place, in one of the rooms at the library. And he was late, and, um, yeah, I didn't appreciate that. But he was in the room when I stepped out, and he was looking like I was late. But long story short, we ended up talking for like five or six hours, like just about, we started the interview and I could kind of tell, I was like, is he giving me real answers? Like, does he, does he not feel comfortable? But my advisor called. So I was like, I got to stop this guy. I got to talk to her. And after that, I was just kind of talking because, you know, research, you can't like lead. And I was like, hey, you know, just make sure, you, you know, I want you to give me authentic answer. And then we just started talking about life and you know, issues that we want to solve and just uh, the black community. How can we try to create solutions? And it, we literally talked until my reservation ended. And then from that point forward, we just kind of, I guess we never got rid of each other. So that was how we met. And like I said, he was not in my study. It just, I think that was just the way we were supposed to meet. <laughs> that is so sweet. Go pokes. Right, right. right. <laughs> That's awesome. What is your favorite board game? Oh man, um, that's tough. Gosh, you got some tough ones. I, I like Monopoly, even though it's really long. I really do like Monopoly. It's just fun. I, I played it. I used to kind of bug my parents and my brother to play it when I was a kid. But now we kind of play it at home. And yeah, our son actually beat us when we played it. But it, I like Monopoly. <laughs> I think Monopoly's my favorite. That's a classic. Uh, what was your first job? Um... <laughs> I worked at Dollar Tree, and my friends know I love Dollar Tree to this day. And I worked there, it was a seasonal job, and then they let me go. And I was just so, I was so disappointed because I'm thinking like, I'm a great employee, like I'm always on time. I love Dollar Tree, like I, I can sell anything in Dollar Tree. But they just, they, like she just stopped putting me on the schedule. And I was just like, why? I just didn't understand because I was like, is this it? Man. But it was my senior year of high school, so I guess, you know, they were like, we, we've got enough of you. But I still love Dollar Tree. I still talk <laughs> about working there every time I go shopping there. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad it didn't ruin your, your love for yeah, Dollar Tree. I mean, who don't love Dollar Tree? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Courtney. Well, lots of laughs, lots of really good conversation. I've so enjoyed having you here with me today. Yes, thank you for having me. I just love talking to you, Rachel, and, and I'm glad that we had this opportunity, and this is a lot of fun. Always a pleasure. Yes, same. Thank you all so much for listening today. Make sure you keep up with us on social media at OSU Entrepreneurship and watch for the next podcast.